Hello everyone and welcome to Penny Tolerable, my podcast. My name is Jeremy and with me is, I'm not going to call him my guest, I'm just going to go with co-host now. He's he's officially my co-host. Because I've been on every single episode? Yeah. Have I, except for the many ones? Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, Nathaniel. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Hope this works out if the trial period's done. <laughs> what do you mean, trial period? Well, just maybe you'll have me back as like a permanent fixture of the show. You are. Well, I don't want to count my chickens before they're hatched, so oh, we'll, we'll just see how it goes. Anyways, uh, today we will be talking about... Uh, it's available on Disney+. Plus. If you have subscription to that, or if you have a friend with a dis- subscription to that, um, it's available on Disney Plus. It's Hamilton, the, uh, the Ham- biography of voice actor and folk musician Hamilton. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Extended musical number about Gizmo Duck in there. <laughs> Didn't he do Hampton as well? Did he? On uh, Tiny Toons? Yeah. No, that was uh, Don Messick. Oh. Um, but, no, he did... Uh, Hamilton Camp was awesome. He did Professor Chrome Dome on the tech. Mm. So that alone. Pretty much any tech voice actor uh, gets into heaven as far as I'm concerned. And I am the one who gets to decide. Yeah, we're getting a bit off topic right now. But, Do you uh, think there's an afterlife? <laughs> yeah, um... We watched... Hamilton, uh, the musical which received several thousand uh, Tony nominations and wins. I think it even got a a BAFTA and a World's Greatest Grandpa mug. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are going to do Wiki What right now, where we will look at the Wikipedia page for the movie. Uh, The musical, here it is, the musical details Hamilton's life in two acts, along with how various historical figures influenced his life, such as Gilbert de Montaire, Marquis de Lafayette, Aaron Burr, John Loren, Hercules Morgan, awesome name, Hercules Mulligan, Mulligan, Hercules Mulligan. Take a Hercules Mulligan on that pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) I will. Hercules Mulligan. Handsome Be Wonderful is also another cast member. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth Schuyler, Hamilton, Elizabeth Schuyler, Hamilton, Angelica Schuyler, Peggy Schuyler, and I'm Susan. Yeah, the actress does it. I'm Peggy. Philip Hamilton and former presidents George Washington, James Madison, and Thomas Jefferson, who were all great guys and totally did not own slaves. Act 1. An orphan Alexander Hamilton leaves his home on the Isle of Nevis with the song Alexander Hamilton. They write all of the songs Um, here. You know, I don't mean to cramp your style, but could we skip the song titles because they're about 1%? They come up about once per sentence in the synopsis, and they're not like funny or unusual or anything. And there are a lot of numbers, so yeah. maybe we could just stick to the synopsis without the the, uh, the footnotes there. Yeah, the musical is basically, there's almost no spoken words and it's all sung, so uh, yeah, we'll leave that out. After arriving in New York in 1776, Hamilton meets Aaron Burr, 
John Lawrence, Marquis de Lafayette, and Hercules Mulligan. See, I got it right this time. <laughs> Running start, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And impresses them with his rhetorical skills. Also, his drinking. He, he impresses them with his drinking as well. Well, everybody impressed everybody with their drinking back then. I think I read that uh, by the 1800s, uh, I think alcohol consumption was something like three times what it is today. And I, I don't think they got, like, less drunk as you go further back in history. <laughs> Funny if true. They, interesting if interesting true. Interesting if true. They no, it's, it's true. It was about three times the average. That's why, like, prohibition was a bad idea for a lot of reasons, but you kind of understand why they had to do it in that sense. Yeah. They affirm their revolutionary goals to each other. Meanwhile, wealthy sisters Angelica, Eliza, and Peggy Schuyler go into town seeking out potential suitors. Samuel Seabury warns everyone about the dangers of Congress. Yeah, those clowns in Congress, as Jay Leno would say. How's he keep up with the news like that? I know, just like that. But Hamilton uh, disagrees and tries to counter Seabury. King George then insists, uh, then insists on his authority. The guy that plays King George is just, mwah. I mean, in one of the productions, he was played by Taron Killam. I think he filled in for a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy is basically a clone of Taron Killam. Maybe uh, that has the same vibe. And I mean, realistically, I think this was the original cast members, so. I think Taryn was, it's more accurate to say like he was the clone or the understudy. Even that sounds derisive, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Taryn Killam. I think he maybe deserves uh, like a little more fame and clout than he has so far. And this guy was uh, very cut from the same cloth. There's a sort of manic energy and... Uh, he's clearly meant to be, like, the funniest character in the show, and I think that carries mm -hmm. through. Yeah. He has uh, one of my favorite songs, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's how it goes. I, thought, I think that's just his song. Yeah, that's his, just... Re his refrain throughout the, uh, the play. Mm-hmm. During the New York and New Jersey campaign, Hamilton accepts, uh, accepts a position as George Washington's aide-de-camp instead of field command. At Philip Schuyler's ball, Eliza Schuyler falls hopelessly in love with Alexander, who reciprocates her feelings. Yeah, he does. <laughs> the two marry as Angelica suppresses her feelings uh, for the sake of their happiness at the wedding. After the wedding, Burr congratulates Hamilton on his position as aide-de-camp to Washington. Hamilton admits that he would rather have Burr's position on the battlefield. Uh, Burr reflects on Hamilton's swift rise while considering his own career as more cautious. Yeah, that's a big thing in the uh, story is that, you know, Burr is the cautious one and... Hamilton is the go-getter, and it's, you know, the dichotomy of the two is really played up. Yeah, which is 
something I think we do. We always we have to turn everything into narrative, and real life is not narrative. History certainly isn't narrative. Yeah. Which uh, these things can be fun. Like I, I think this is fun, but it, it's sort of like if you look at a uh, Amadeus. Uh, which is one of my favorite plays and movies, but in real life, Salieri and Amadeus were probably more similar than they were different, but that doesn't work dramatically, so Mozart is this giggling, tortured fop, and Salieri is this, you know, solemn, dour headmaster type. And same thing here, I think Burr and Hamilton were uh, very much alike, if you look at their, their predilections and their their interests and their place in history, but that doesn't, again, doesn't scan as like a three-hour dramatic arc, so it has to be like, you make up all the things that I lack. Yeah. You do the same for me, what are the odds? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that is a good point. Thank you. Yeah. As conditions worsen for the Continental Army, awesome. Yeah. Hamilton's aides once again, sorry everyone, Hamilton aides Lorenz in a duel against Charlie, Charles Lee, uh, who had insulted Washington. Lorenz injures Lee, who yields. Hamilton is temporarily, temporarily suspended by Washington over the duel and is sent home. There, Eliza reveals that she is pregnant with her first child and asks Hamilton to slow down and take in what has happened in their lives. And to make the morning last. <laughs> okay, just dead air. Then. <laughs> it's because I didn't really get the reference. Slow down, you move too fast. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, Hamilton stole his milk. <laughs> No, no, wait. You're you're really gonna love my follow up about uh, the great success that Washington had on the battlefield. Hey there, Georgie boy, <laughs> you have just assassinated Charles Lee. I know that was Lawrence, but that was the first thing you could think of. <laughs> After Lafayette persuades France to get involved in the colonist side, he urges Washington to call Hamilton back to help plan the final siege of Yorktown. Washington agrees and explains to Hamilton, who is convinced that he should die a martyr and a hero in war, that he should be careful with his actions, because whatever he does will be known for ages to come. This is a huge amount of foreshadowing. Uh, now, um, I, not to spoil our final estimations, which I'm sure we'll get to, but I did like the show, but... Yeah, like even for a musical, it's not subtle. You have Washington going, you know, "Oh, Hamilton, you'll be famous someday." Why? I bet a ten-dollar bill on <laughs> I do think it's interesting how this is a uh, a narrative that shows French people as tough, which is what they are. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely. Uh, we have the the stereotype based on like the, this one period during World War Two uh, where you know they surrendered and then immediately just started fighting as part of the French underground. <laughs> just yeah. ignores like the entire history and like the current 
British, uh, like, I'm not just talking about, like, the military, like, British, uh, I'm sorry, uh, French citizens are tougher than yeah. the most comparable people could be. But there's, uh, yeah, this thing of painting them as, like, lily-livered and foppish, and like, yeah, I don't know. Also, I mean, you can make fun of what the uh, French did in World War II, but uh, I don't think it's much more embarrassing than what almost every other country <laughs> did during World War II. Yeah, good point. So, who, who comes out of World War II looking like a baller besides the Russians? <laughs> <laughs> At the siege of Yorktown, Hamilton goes up with Lafayette to take down the British, revealing that uh, Mulligan was recruited as a spy, helping them figure out how to trap the British and win the war. Soon after the victory at Yorktown, King George asks the rebels how they will succeed in governing on their own. Which is it's a great part. It's a great little song, by the way. Um, Lafayette returns to France with plans to inspire his people to have their own revolution. Which, yeah, we all know how, how that happened. Yeah. Lots of guillotines. Lots of guillotines and the reign of terror. And th this is something that I see people talking about lately because, you know, like civil unrest is uh, back in the news and should really never be out of the news. But uh, there's a lot of, uh, oh, well, you see where insurrection gets you. Uh, it leads to stuff like the French Revolution. And then a bunch of, like, smart, normal people go, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Like, no, no, the, the French Revolution was a failure. Like, I, I don't know. I haven't, haven't seen any monarchs there for a couple hundred years. I <laughs> think I knew what it was supposed to Like, there's not going to be any such thing as, like, a bloodless revolution. Mm -hmm. And that, not to go hugely off on a tangent, this could be me just, like, angrily ranting for an episode. Like, no, I, I don't like, you know, just, like, chaos in the streets. I don't think, like, the worst extremes of communism and things like that are forgiven but I, I always hated that as such like a, a shut up moment as an argument like look at how many people Lenin and Stalin killed and okay you're not wrong but wh what the old way was working yeah like guys please it's supposed to be the czar starving everybody <laughs> to death. like no god look at how many people Mao killed never mind that they also led to increased Chinese birth rate, so there's actually more people there than <laughs> despite having the largest death rate in human history. But but it's like, no, no, guys, you're right. The East India Company was doing such a good job of running China. What were they even complaining about in the first place? And like I say, I don't mean to make that the tenor of the whole episode, but yeah, that's that's so so dumb to me. Like, there's good and bad ways to gain freedom, but. Pretty much anything that moves you away from a monarchy or an imperial power is at least a partial good, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Hamilton's son Philip is born, while Burr has a daughter, Theodosia, and the two tell their children how they will do anything to protect them. Hamilton receives word that his friend Lawrence has been killed in a seemingly pointless battle after the war was won and throws himself into his work. Yeah, he supposedly writes thousands of papers, like literally thousands of papers. I, I don't know how people did it back then. I guess, uh, I don't know. 
I guess they didn't have like their, their damned like Animal Crossings and their Rotundo 64s, <laughs> so they just wanted to keep them busy. But I like I couldn't read as much as these people do, let alone write. Yeah. I think what the hell they they did it with like the like those those like bird furs instead of like actual pens like when they pour or something. <laughs> You're poor. Like why why would you write with a quill? Are you Fred Flintstone? What the hell's the matter with you? He co-authors the Federalist Papers and is selected as Secretary of the Treasury by the newly elected President Washington. Eliza begs Hamilton to stay. Angelica moves to London with her new husband. This is where the act stops. And then we move on to Act 2. There is a one-minute intermission. Yeah. Which is funny. Just, I guess they have to let people know that it's the second act. But seeing an intermission now is just so funny to me. Because it's like, well, you're not recreating what it would be in the theater, which is, what, 15 to 45 yeah. minutes? And at the same time, it's it's like too short to actually allow you to get up and do anything. Like if if you're gonna pee or something, you just go pause it or make a Hamilton on rye sandwich. So I think it's just there as a signifier. Although you do get a cool looking hourglass. Mm-hmm. Act two: The Quickening. <laughs> God damn it. Thomas Jefferson returns to America from being the, uh, from being the U.S. ambassador to France. Great musical number right here. Yeah. I love the guy that plays uh, Thomas Jefferson. Well, it's the, he also plays Lafayette. Yeah, and the two best performances in the play, I would say, and, and everybody has their favorites, but for me, the best uh, performances are Jefferson and Lafayette, and it's the same guy as both, David Diggs. So yeah. for me, he's the uh, a, a good production all around. I don't think there's like a dot in the cast, but... Uh, he's the MVP as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. In 1789, Jefferson and Hamilton debate the latter's financial proposals at a cabinet meeting. Washington pulls Hamilton aside and tells him to figure out a compromise to one of her Congress. I believe this is a scene where they're in the room alone and nobody really knows what happened. Yeah. My memory the serves. The room where it happened? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting historical moments like that, or like the uh, the compromise with Simone de Bolivar, where you you don't know. There's only conjecture and then conflicting historical records. So that, and again, that's when you realize that history is just Rashomon, as far as the rest of us are concerned. Yeah, never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. by which I mean it's all black and white because they didn't have color back then. Also, time is a construct that doesn't exist. It's a flat... You know what? Time is a flat, sure. I'm going to publish my manifesto and put it out. I'll just leave it right there. Uh, Eliza and her family, along with Angelica... Anytime I hear Angelica, I just think of the rug run. Really? Yeah. Back uh, back from London, travel... Angelica Houston? Like, if you, like, hear her and you think of the Rugrats? A bit. Really? Yeah, it's weird. That's unfortunate. It's weird, and I don't like it. Okay. Eliza and her family, along with Angelica, back from London, travel upstate during the summer, while Hamilton stays home to work on the compromise. Hamilton begins an affair with Maria Reynolds, uh, making him vulnerable to her, her husband's blackmail. Hamilton, Jefferson, and James Madison create the compromise. 
That's okay. Create the compromise of 1790 over a private dinner. Yeah, this is the part where it's uh, the room where nobody knows what happened. That's what I'm calling it now. The room where nobody knows what happened. <laughs> I'm a real... The parentheses. The room where brackets nobody knows what and brackets happen and parentheses. I'm a wonderful wordsmith. Yeah. You're a regular Lin-Manuel Shakespeare. <laughs> the worst part is that I am an actual writer, and that's how well I can speak. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Exchanging Hamilton's financial plan for placing the country's permanent capital on the Potomac River. Burr is envious of Hamilton's sway in the government and wishes he had a similar power. Again, this is very... Solieri uh, Amadeus mm -hmm. Burr switches political parties and defeats Philip Schuyler making Hamilton now a rival in another cabinet meeting Jefferson and Hamilton argue over whether the United States should assist France in its conflict with Britain by the way we should have yeah, that's one of those things where in any uh, practical sense it would have been unbelievable um it, you know like we didn't have the manpower and the money and all these other things and yet the there's just that spirit in me that's like no if you say you're gonna do something you do it yeah and if you make a sally i think this is how we got into a lot of wars we didn't need to so maybe i'm being a hypocrite there but maybe the lesson is like don't make those deals in the first place but uh whatever it's messy Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the only times I actually kind of go, eh, maybe Jefferson has a point. Yeah. It's messy, it's politics. President, it's Wa <laughs> President Washington ultimately agrees with Hamilton's argument for maintaining, for remaining neutral. In the wake of this, Jefferson, Madison, and Burr decide to join forces to, f join forces to find a way to discredit Hamilton in Washington's eyes. Uh, this joining forces is not like the Megazord way, it's just the human way that people join forces. Um, Washington decides to retire from the presidency and Hamilton assists in writing a farewell address. A flabbergasted King George, I love that word and I always have, flabbergasted, King George arrives... You also love the character of Flabber the Ghast from Big Bad Beetleborgs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you've seen my tattoo. Of course I do. Okay. Flabbergasted, King George receives word that George Washington has stepped down and will be replaced by Paris uh, signatory John Adams. I could go for one right now, actually. John Adams becomes the second president. Sam Adams? Or John Adams. I don't okay. care. I'm a horrible alcoholic, so why not? Well, he becomes the second president. Yeah, he becomes the second president and fires Hamilton, who publishes an inflammatory critique on the new president as a response, which is basically all that people do now, which they should publish inflammatory uh, criticisms on the president. I'm not going to... I'm not going to remain silent on that. 
Yeah, sorry, didn't didn't the current guy basically get the job by shitting on the last guy for eight years? Yeah, basically. And I'm not I'm not saying that's off limits, but it's absolutely hilarious to have anybody like, hey, hey, like show some respect for the office. Only the best conspiracy theories may enter here. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want us to go full Chapo trap house, but, but I, I I'm just voicing my opinions. No, I, I, th- I think it's ridiculous. Like, that's one of the awesome things about this country. You can say whatever you want. You yeah. don't have to bow to anybody if you don't want to. And again, like, the like I'm sorry, did Trump, was he not like a birther doing like Fox News call-ins for eight years? Like, did, do you think he'd have quite as much clout as he has if he hadn't done that? Um, I don't know, it, it, it doesn't uh, seem... Like it's good for the soul, but it certainly seems to be a winning tactic. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be downright cathartic sometimes. <laughs> In the face of accusations of uh, speculation of government funds by Jefferson, Madison, and Burr, and out of fear that his affair with Maria Reynolds will be used against him in a political career, Hamilton continues to publicize his affair uh, in the in the Reynolds pamphlet, damaging his relationship with Eliza. Yeah, this is a, that's a dick move by Hamilton. We, it's just a dick move. Eliza, in, in a heartbroken retaliation, burns all the letters Hamilton wrote her. Uh, and when she when the actress does that, she does burn them. Uh, I in the productions I've been in, we wouldn't actually burn the. Any paper that would oh, they actually, cause a big kerfuffle. They use actual fire? Yeah, you saw that. I thought it was a special effect. I didn't know you could do that. Me neither. I'm sure it's carefully controlled. Yeah. Anyways, this is not especially interesting, so let's move on. <laughs> Alright, trying to erase herself from history. Philip, instructed by Hamilton, challenges George Ecker to a duel and is critically injured and dies causing a reconciliation between Alexander and Eliza. Hamilton's endorsement of Jefferson in the presidential election of 1800 results in further animosity between Hamilton and Burr, who challenges Hamilton to a duel via an exchange of letters. And we all know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if, we, if we've seen that uh, Got Milk commercial, we know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamilton writes his last letter in a rush while Eliza tells him to go back to bed. Burr and Hamilton travel to New Jersey, something that a person should never have to do, for a duel. During the duel, both Burr and Hamilton fire at each other after ten paces, with Hamilton intentionally missing, throwing away his shot. Yep. It actually, yeah. I'm not throwing my shot. Yeah, uh, they both uh, heeded a wise man's advice. They went to Jersey and woke up that morning and got themselves some guns. <laughs> Hamilton dies as a result with Eliza and Angelica at his side. Okay, where's Peggy in all of this? I'm right here. Peggy for life. That's my other tattoo, Peggy for life. Yeah. And yeah, it has a picture of Peggy Hill. Yeah, I just... Uh, I'll have it covered up like the... I'll have it covered up like the third right tattoo I have. Okay. 
Burr laments that even though he survived, he is cursed to be remembered as the villain who killed Hamilton. The musical closes with a reflection on historical memory, showing how Eliza kept Hamilton's legacy alive. Yeah, that's the end. It's 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 beautiful. It really is. It's, it's a actually a nice. I know that. You know, we lampoon a lot of stuff on this podcast, but do we though? It seems uh, it seems like we make fun of a lot of stuff, make fun of a lot of stuff incidentally, but. I feel like the topics are always things that uh, you actually like. Yeah. I, I like, too. But what have we done so far? Like, Mystery Science Theater, Alan Moore, and Ricky O? Yeah, I mean, I didn't mean, like, stuff that we want to take a jab at. I mean, stuff that we love that we also kind of nitpick at. Well, uh, I mean, before we get into, I guess, the second half... Uh, what uh, what did you think of Hamilton? I mean, here's something that comes with a lot of baggage that had been, uh, you know, in the the ether for about five years now, relentlessly. Uh, what was it like to finally see the damn thing? I liked it. I genuinely enjoyed it. Um, I genuinely enjoyed it. A lot of the, all of the music is rap and hip hop, and I enjoy. I enjoy a lot of yeah. I enjoy a lot of rap and hip hop. I like Tech Nine. I like Wu Tang Clan. I was really hoping you'd like start naming uh, them, but then like like get it wrong. Like oh, I, I enjoy like uh, Canny and uh, uh, Nast. <laughs> I, I enjoy the What Ang Clan. <laughs> but yeah, it was. I'm a big fan of ABC myself. <laughs> 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 I'm a big fan of 50 Pence P or whatever the hell his name is. Uh, I myself am a, a huge fan of the original Grandmaster Barry Allen Flash. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. You're very welcome. Uh, um, yeah, I I enjoyed it. It had a lot of energy. It was it was just plain good. You know, it's I I sometimes say you know I love a great musical. But there are very few great musicals, and this was a great musical. Yeah. And what did you think? Well, um, I, I'm glad you asked that little thing, because what I'd like to do is say, song about getting people to do stuff for you. Um, I uh, enjoyed this quite a bit. Uh, we we probably need to do like a whole separate episode about me talking about musicals. But as I uh, discussed uh, the evening after uh, we saw this, uh, I there's something about like musicals. Uh, I enjoy them, as Jeremy says, like when they're done well. And yet, I feel like I only enjoy one out of every hundred <laughs> musicals. Yeah. And it's just like like bit by bit, like and, and I tend to admire a lot of what goes into them, but. So, like, I really, really like Sondheim, if we're talking, like, Sweeney Todd and maybe Into the Woods. And the rest of it is, is too, uh, the themes are too normal. It's like, I'm an aging artist, and I don't know if I have the magic in me anymore. I'm like, oh, I don't care. Like, if you're singing, then it needs to be about more than, you know, yeah. divorce and erectile dysfunction. And then, uh, what's-his-face, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber goes in the opposite direction. 
where it's just always about like Jesus or trains and then you'll get like that planetary alignment where it's the right kind of stupid with cats yeah but otherwise I don't need like a synth heavy musical about chess mm. um so they seem few and far between and, and something like uh, Hamilton uh, I don't know it feels like it's reputation precedes it so much it's hard to have like a moderate opinion on it because just on its own terms like I, I thought it was like super charming it's it's incredibly energetic it never stops moving uh and I don't actually... I'm not even sure if I love the songs. Like, I haven't been humming any of the songs. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's like, the mark of a good musical, right? Mm-hmm. You're, like, humming it on the way into the lobby. I, like, nothing is, like, stuck in my head in that sense, and yet it's sort of never a dull moment when you're watching it, or very few dull moments when you're watching it. And again, the, the cast is fantastic. Um... I especially like uh, not that they invented this or anything I just think it's well employed here where they double up on the casting mm-hmm. so uh, his friends in the the first half his trio of buddies you know Hercules Lawrence and Lafayette then become uh, and it's weird actually Madison and Jefferson who are his enemies throughout the rest of the play and then his son which I don't know I guess they just needed an extra guy yeah um, so I, I really liked it. It was very entertaining, and after all the hubbub about it, I never went into it going like, I bet this sucks. I bet there's literally nothing to like about this. Yeah. Now, the having said that, like the, the reputation can get a little oppressive. So uh, when you have Josh Gad tweeting about, like, I honestly think that... Uh, Hamilton is to us what Shakespeare was to the British. You're like, well, it's not. <laughs> I mean, or maybe it is what it was at the time to the British, but um, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, Shakespeare is a better writer than the also fairly good Lin Manuel Miranda. Um, and, and a lot of the, the criticisms, I think, are fair. Like, it, it really does play fast and loose. The relationship between Hamilton and Aaron Burr is largely fabricated. Um, like, pretty much any version of the Founding Fathers, it just plays favorites. So I actually kind of like how they seem to hate Jefferson and Madison, which, uh, you know, good. <laughs> like, no complaints <laughs> there. I think they're super forgiving of Hamilton. I mean, yeah. he, he wasn't like a slave traitor the way that uh, Jefferson was, but you know, he, he came from a slave-owning family. He probably dealt in them. It wasn't like this courageous freedom fighter as he sometimes made out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Not to be shallow, but if he'd picked up another biography about another one of the founding fathers would the musical be about them instead it was originally going to be about lincoln but he realized that the uh daniel day lewis movie was coming out so and then there's stuff like i'm not dude they're all like legends they all need me standing up for them so I'm, i'm not proprietary about any of them 
But I thought it was weird, for instance, in the second act, uh, he never appears, but they make quite a bit of fun of uh, John Adams. Mm -hmm. And same as anyone, like, John Adams is a, a complicated figure, but it's like, John Adams, him, the little fellow who I met, man, you don't mean you're going to replace Washington with John Adams? It's like, haha. You, you, you know, he was like basically the only guy in this play that didn't own slaves, right? <laughs> like, you, you can give him some credit. Um, but like I say, like, it, the same way Amadeus doesn't have to be precisely accurate to be good, I, I don't think this needs to either. And there's, there is a certain frustration when you have a certain group of people who only want to talk about one thing. And people who only talk about Hamilton are exactly as boring as people who only talk about Star Wars or only talk about Joe Rogan or only talk about Harry Potter. Uh, but that doesn't automatically mean any of those things are bad mm -hmm. so yeah it's there's almost like a sense of okay if I watch it will you shut up already yeah but having said that I'm like yeah it it doesn't suck like you know Kel surprised <laughs> I uh it was interesting because a few years ago when this when the play was just starting like they were just starting to do it um, there was a news story about it, and uh, I just saw all this going on, their preparation. I thought, this sounds awful. This sounds like a Mr. Show sketch. Like a, 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 a musical about Hamilton. I thought to myself, this poor guy is going to lose every cent. Like, And then you know, I ate my words with a side of fries just well and that's that's the thing and I have recourse to um, and I think Jeremy knows what I'm talking about there's the old Richard Curtis romantic comedy uh, The Tall Guy yeah starring Jeff Goldblum which is a fun movie like it's not a classic if you haven't seen it you'll probably survive but um, the centerpiece of the film is that he's uh, he's an American actor uh, in London and he gets cast in a musical about uh, John Merrick, The Elephant Man. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, uh, these days, not, not that it would be in poor taste. I think you can still make Elephant Man jokes. I think it would just be considered hacky. Like, uh, the same way, like, at the time Springfield, <laughs> Springfield, same time the producers came out, it was like, what? A, a musical about Hitler? Oh, boy. This is like something straight out of Mad Magazine. And now these days it would be quaint. Like if the South yeah. Park guys did it, it would be like yawn inducing. Yeah. And so same thing if it was like, guys, what if there was like a zany musical about the Elephant Man and it had musical numbers like I'm packing up my trunk. Mm -hmm. But uh, they sort of lampshade this in the film and it's, it's the best thing in the movie by far. He's talking to his agent, his agent explains the musical to him. He says it's a musical about the life of the elephant man. And Goldblum sort of thanks and he goes, That's the that's a terrible idea for a musical. And his agent goes, Ah, they said the same thing about Jesus Christ Superstar. And Goldblum takes a beat and he goes, Jesus Christ Superstar is a terrible idea for a musical. 
And it, it's one of those great jokes, like the no, no, like it, it's it's the wonders, like a pun. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. It, it looks like the Oneaters. No, but it's like the Beatles, like the wonders. I understand the pun. It looks like Oneaters. Yeah, like one one of those jokes, and that always stuck with me. This idea that you can be successful and even good, and still be kind of a stupid idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah, when when this premiered, it reminded me of all these things, like Mr. Show. It's not like a Mr. Show sketch. It is a Mr. Yeah. Show sketch. Rap the musical, a musical about rap with no actual rap. It reminded me of like the Dana Carvey show, like Antonio Banderas on <laughs> George Washington. Yeah, did just like a million little things. I've seen so many parodies where it's like a still frame of the show, and then underneath it'll have like, "Well, I'm Alexander Hamilton, and I'm here to say I love the Constitution in a major way," <laughs> which is like the easiest go-to joke, of course. None of which keeps it from being like lively and fun and having lots of wordplay but it, it's still like kind of like a you know a, a hip-hop epic about a bunch of slave owners like it is fundamentally kind of a dumb idea but then when i made that joke several times i went oh wait every musical is stupid yeah like the the only uh, difference is are there the good stupid ones like uh, if they're based on Sweeney Todd or Les Miserables or things like that or are they bad stupid ideas and I don't even mean like extravagantly stupid like Starlight Express like things that are, are like hilariously dumb elephant man ideas mm-hmm. most musicals will be like oh this young couple's in love but they can't admit it I think their parents have a plan to get them together. This is four hours long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh, will Curly end up with the ranch hand's daughter? This is five hours long. (laughs) It has a dream sequence. Yeah, they're so long. Yeah. I will say that. This this thing is two hours and 40 minutes. This thing is the length of the first Godfather. Not boring. Yeah. I will give it that. Yeah, this was a surprisingly coherent wiki you want. Uh, but, uh, well, you're reading about the most beloved uh, musical in recent American history as opposed to a uh, fan transcription of an Asian shock cinema film. Good point. <laughs> it turns out that in uh, this Wikipedia version, they use the original Chinese names of the founding fathers <laughs> and some of the confusion. Just, I'll just mention this. Tell me Hercules Mulligan does not sound like an anime name. Yeah, it does. I was about to say a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure name, but it would be something musical. Like if he was a JoJo's villain, his name would be like Wizard Pantang or something. (laughs) Tiger Pantang. The Wizards on the Tigers. Now we move on to review times two. I would like to thank everyone who uh, reviews the stuff on IMDb for so giving, for giving me material. Yeah. The first one. I'm a Mexican boy who has never gotten a chance to go to Broadway. All I've seen are bootlegs. I was, I was going to say after I'm a Mexican boy that I'm not a Mexican boy. I'm very white, but this is actually kind of a sweet story. Uh, all, I, all I've ever seen are bootlegs, and they're fine, but not like this. This is a beautiful shot of the 
great spectacle Hamilton, the great spectacle Hamilton is. The flawless music of Lin-Manuel Miranda, the production, the photography, costumes, and the acting. Leslie Odom Jr., Renee Miranda, and David Diggs shine on with their roles. I don't I don't know if this can be nominated for an award, but damn it deserves it. Okay, since since uh I'm not gonna be mean to this guy, but since um movie theaters don't exist anymore, I I don't know if it can be nominated. Maybe they're gonna nominate streaming things now. Yeah. It's I, possible. It's funny because I, I really was taking with David Diggs and I want to keep saying, like, man, he, he was good. He was the breakout star. He's going places. Then I remember that he's the, uh, like, the third male lead in Hamilton. And I just think of Birdemic, like, what are you talking about? I have already risen to the pinnacle of my chosen <laughs> yeah. field. I am a success. <laughs> Stick with it. You'll get there, son. <laughs> the next one. I have a love-hate relationship with musicals, which is something I can completely understand from this guy. I'm not, I'm not dunking on this person right off the bat, but to me that's like going, I have a love-hate relationship with food. Some of it's good, some of it tastes bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, only like, even the musical theater nerds that I know don't just like all musicals. Yeah. I love being inside and like people are making noise and it's air conditioned. Uh, he says, I absolutely love The Lion King, Les Mis, and Hamilton, and absolutely hate everything else. Okay, I take it back. I am making fun of this person. Yeah. I know, it's weird. My sister is a theater kid and used to blast Hamilton back in 2016. This hey, is... Senator and Burr. <laughs> Again, nicely done. This is how I was introduced to Hamilton. At first, I was annoyed, but the hip-hop influence uh, interested me, uh, and so I started to listen to Hamilton by myself. Yeah, I was I was going to say, if this ends in him breakdancing, then it'll be the greatest review ever. Back then, the only musical that I even tolerated was The Lion King. Everything else was pure shit. <laughs> That's not in there. I fell in love with the music and the story. It made me want to visit the show. I have been able to see The Lion King multiple times and loved it each time. It's actually a huge part of my youth. But living in Europe... Okay, that explains it. Yeah, living in the country of Europe, <laughs> I couldn't just... Oh, come on. People are allowed, like... We we say we're from America. <laughs> good, People good point. make fun of us behind our backs. <laughs> I couldn't just go out and buy a ticket for Hamilton. You, you could. You just wouldn't be able to see it. <laughs> Nothing's stopping you. It's also five hundred dollars, basically. Well, for Hamilton, they were not five hundred dollars, but they were pretty expensive. No, if you wanted to, like, you could get in the seat lottery if you wanted to, like, get tickets. Then. uh... It's that to your kid going to college. Yeah. That was one of the most damning but funniest insults I ever heard about Hamilton when the guy said, it's not a bad show, I'm just saying that everybody who goes to see it would have owned slaves 200 years ago. <laughs> like, God damn it. The guy says, instead, I waited. And after four years of waiting, I was finally able to experience Hamilton in full. And let me tell you, it was worth it. <laughs> I just imagine him... 
under the Bodhi tree, you're like under a waterfall, just not moving at all, and becoming a kung fu master, waiting four years. I needed to make sure I could do it. I was not throwing away my shot. The next one. How lucky we are to be alive right now. 3rd okay. July 2020. I, I can only let... I'm going to put it... Literally pin true. Yes. Literally true. Yes. We are the lucky ones. Yes. The Oh, well, how wonderful the world is now. It's, As opposed to the... Well, no. Because <laughs> Tina Turner taught us that uh, the living will envy the dead. <laughs> that sounds more Iron Maiden than Tina Turner, but I believe you. Oh, I don't know, Jeremy. We don't need another hero. We just need to find our way home to yeah. Thunderdome. It's truly a What's challenge. Thunderdome got to do with it? Can't we just get beyond Thunderdome? What's Fury Road, the second hand of us? <laughs> it's truly a challenge to shoot a live theater production well. Yeah. And Hamilton rises to... Yeah, it is. And Hamilton rises to that challenge. This is a must-see for theatergoers, history buffs, and anyone who appreciates art. It's a masterpiece and a masterclass in storytelling. A great job by the cast and all the tech design that ties it all together. The tech design was good. Hell yeah, the rotating stage gets yeah. a lot of work. I don't think historical buffs would dig it that much. No. I think I read that Toni Morrison hated it so much she financed a play to correct it. Yeah. But, yeah. Just didn't catch on. <laughs> I want to be like Family Guy, and now you're dead. Score one for Peter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Tony Morrison. The, ne the next one says, uh, the most in-demand musical is now streaming on demand. Was that intentional or just bad writing? Uh, I don't know. Just diagram that sentence. I dare you. Hamilton follows the founding of the United States through the War of Independence and fundamental historical events. Foundational. Foundation. Sorry. Yeah. I, I need to take I more. I hope that the foundational historical events follow the founding of the United States. I need to take this, more Hercules, Hercules Mulligans. Man, this blanket is lousy with lice. <laughs> God. Historical event, events up to 1804 through the perspective of Alexander Hamilton. A musical. The musical really packs a musical punch. It hurt. There's really no dialogue outside of the songs, and they combine your typical Broadway music with rap, hip-hop, and jazz. Although the music it, musical is about the events that are centuries old, it's incredibly relevant to today. Yep, that's the point. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda says, This is a story about America then, told by America now. Like I said, that's the point. An engaging powerhouse of a musical that really dives into the human experience in an incredible and educational way. Educational in that a lot of it is not correct. Like many other Broadway musicals, it deals with hard life issues and is not appropriate for younger viewers. Uh, it's PG-13. Yeah. Parents should be aware that the film earns the PG-13 rating uh, mostly through cursing and sexual innuendo. They cut out the two uh, fucks, though. Yeah, they do cut out two fucks. So Disney didn't give two fucks? <laughs> Not two fucks, like two two events of fucking, but two uses of the word fuck. Yeah, they... No, the original... Uh, uh, God damn it. God damn it. Who's the guy who directed uh, Caligula? 
uh, Bob Guccione. God, oh, that, I was so close. Do you have that like that time when like a joke is right there? Yeah. Because I wanted to say the original Bob Guccione cut of Hamilton and would have landed and been mildly amusing, but my brain was about to say the original Chuck Mangione. <laughs> and like, that would have been filthy like, too? No, no, that's not what it's called. And then, like, the moment passed, and I threw away my shot. That would have been filthy, too. You don't know what he does with that flugelhorn. <laughs> oh, Chuck. We've got a full review, discussion guide, and more uh, up on our blog now at downtherabbitholeblog.com. Down the hobbit hole? Yeah. Did I say rabbit? Yeah. Because I just watched an episode of Year of the Rabbit. I'm sorry. Yes. Call it You're the Hobbit? It's down the Hobbit hole. Hobbit yeah, hole. You, yeah. Call it, you call it the show Year of the Hobbit? I am very sorry. No, I'm just gaslighting you. You got the show God. right. Fuck you, Al. It's really amazing how they managed to capture the live performance and bring it to the screen. Yep, just like in John Updike's uh, Hobbits and Claire novels. Oh, Hobbit. Or is he's also known, Prince with a Thousand Enemies. Okay. The next one kind of makes Aladdin and Magnificent magnificent type of movies look silly. Maleficent or Magnificent? I think he means Maleficent. Yeah. Look in Tonk for rest of review. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, also, kind of makes Aladdin and Maleficent types of movies look silly. You know, uh, you know why I think it's able to do that? Why? Because those movies are silly. Yeah. Well, wow, this really makes that whole Bozo's Funhouse uh, look pretty silly. <laughs> yeah. Man, uh, I'm looking back at like Batman '66, Jeremy. Kind of pretty ridiculous yeah. when you think about it. Boy, the monsters sure haven't aged well. <laughs> <laughs> They're undead. They they always age well. <laughs> this show was, was the daughter undead. Uh, no, she wasn't. She was human. Would she have died before all the others then? Yes. That probably would have been the last episode. And then there's a scene of Al Lewis going, "The greatest tragedy that somebody can experience is when a grandpa outlives his granddaughter." <laughs> Yeah, she, and then he would gesture down like his Dracula spats and go. She used to stand on my feet and I would dance her around. Oh God, this is getting so sad now. Uh, and then the other family shows up to rub it up. <laughs> this show is a pursuit of excellence on every level. Multicultural brilliance from a Puerto Rican modern day Shakespeare. Okay. Very complicated. Yeah. No, no, it's it, it's like that old phrase, you know. Uh, Shakespeare long ago said, "I am the uh, British Lin Manuel Miranda." Yeah, and I, well, I'm not mocking the concept. Like, please, I hope anybody listening doesn't take this as like. Ha ha ha! A Puerto Rican could never write anything as good as Shakespeare. Um, I don't think anybody has to date. I'm not saying it's possible. I'm just laughing at the phrasing because when you say like yeah. a modern day Puerto Rican Shakespeare, it's like Ento Anzolini called the Italian chaplain. <laughs> 
media, mainstream media has. By the way, if he writes thirty-six more of these, then I'll allow the Shakespeare comparison. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, half of them can suck too. <laughs> mainstream media has made black and brown people look like fools. They they know how talented we are, and this show boldly tells how beautiful our diverse complexions are. This masterpiece reminds me of a flower with all the beautiful colors, just like this amazing cast. Bravo. Okay, now I feel bad about making fun of it. I don't feel bad about making fun of it because I was just making fun of that one sentence, but it's like, you know, like Jeremy, you and I have spoken about that, where like, I, I like listen to power metal and read like Corbin Gast and Shining the Abel. Yeah. So I'm afraid like my tastes do hew towards the white bread. Well, I guess there's some Shaw Brothers movies in there too. Mm-hmm. But it is just ridiculous to me when they talk about like well like white culture gave us this and it'll be like Glade plugins or something. And black culture gave us this and then it's like, oh well what do we get from them besides all of our slang, all of our music all of our fashion. <laughs> like there's, uh, and that, that's one reason um, people do sometimes, to this day, that, that there's like the controversy of, like, oh, I mean, what, what if they did like an all white version of uh, like a Japanese epic? Would you be upset about that? Because that's what ha- Hamilton's doing. So you're basically saying that a bunch of these black guys would have owned black slaves, like if you follow this theological conclusion. And again, it's like the like. I don't really care about like the politics there. I just think of it like Idris Elba and Thor. Like, you're mad that he's in this? Yeah. Like I watch Hamilton, and I I don't look at it necessarily through the lens of. Like, see, we're, we're reclaiming America. Like, well, if you do, don't start with the founding fathers. Like, yeah. You're, you're not going to let, like, these were the good ones. <laughs> like, in terms of, like, racial justice and things like that. Musical go ahead, goes ahead and, you know, skips the part about uh, Hamilton advocating for, like, Native <clears throat> American genocide, for instance. Mm. I, I think people overthink these things, and you can just go into it going, like, wow, um... David Diggs is awesome. Yeah. Lin Manuel Miranda is awesome. Uh, uh, is it Leslie Odom? Yeah. I'm getting my Odoms right. Like, the, these guys are just rad. Like, if you're mad that they're in the show, I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. On to the next one. This is an epic production of the best Broadway show in the history of theater. I don't want to oversell it, though. Mm-hmm. It is a technical achievement because it looks flawless, and it really, uh, and I really can't even describe how great the sound is. It is pretty good on a home theater, on headphones, on my iPad, everything, on my Victrola, everything. It sounds pristine. It sounds better than the soundtrack, which is saying something. The the movie sounds better than the soundtrack. It sounds better than the movie of the soundtrack. This is a must must watch movie slash show it speaks to history as both a learning experience and something we shouldn't forget the music is amazing and the lyrics and wordplay are second to none obviously i'm not breaking news here hamilton has been a sensation since it came out in 2015 lin-manuel miranda is a true genius and the world's a better place with him in it it could be a lot better 
other stuff was different too, but let's not get into that. Still, this movie exceeded my very high expectations, and I speak as someone who is singing, who has seen the show more than 20 times. What? I've never seen my favorite movie 20 times. Yeah. I there's people who do that and. Like I, it's stupid to make fun of them because the the joke is like, ha ha, you enjoy things. Yeah, something gives you pleasure. Like they, I'm not making fun of that, but I, I will just agree that that's that's sort of foreign to me. Yeah, there's movies that I would like put in my like top ten, for instance, that I've probably seen three times. Yeah, and maybe won't watch them again for ten years. And yet I acknowledge I have those friends who are like, yeah, like I'll put on uh, like the Lord of the Rings every night. Yeah, like my, it, it's like Labyrinth is kind of my Lebowski. Yeah, and at the same time I'm like, well, you did go through about a decade of your life where you watched an hour of The Simpsons every day, mm-hmm. and I gotta believe some of those were repeats. So. Next we have, this was completely perfect. Loved it so much. Don't want to oversell it though. We'll rewatch many times. I've been keen to see Hamilton since it opened, but no performances in my country yet, and couldn't spare the expense to travel overseas just to see a show. This met all my expectations. Take my love for the sh- took my love for the show even higher. I hope we can see more musicals done this way with the same cast that performs in the live show. I wish they would do that more often, actually, myself. I wish they wouldn't make, like, movie versions if they would just film the things. Yeah, that's true. Unless it's going to be a glorious nightmare like like Cats, then yeah. I... Yeah, I, I would just rather watch, like, a good stage production mm-hmm. of uh, Into the Woods or Les Mis yeah. than see the film. Every, every now and again, like... like I thought like the Burton and Sweeney Todd came out well, yeah. for instance, but those are probably in the, the minority, I would say. Yeah. The very next sentence, by the way, after the awful abomination with the massive budget Cats film, this shows you don't need to go over the top with CGI and special effects to produce a fantastical, fantastic musical film. Watch, watch it with my dad, who had never seen or heard anything about the show, and he also thoroughly enjoyed it to the end. I hope Lin-Manuel Miranda has a few more musicals in him. He does. He, he actually does. He's had more. He's done yeah. more. Yeah, in the Heights. He, in the Heights. He, he's making more as we speak. Mm-hmm. Next one. Uh, the musical and sto- the music and story of Hamilton will forever be at home on Broadway. However, not everyone can afford to a- to attend a Broadway show, especially one as high profile as Hamilton. This is where the stage recording of Hamilton comes into play. This stage recording makes it possible for many more to see this masterpiece of a musical performed by its original Broadway cast. Some may claim the camera work is simplistic and that it doesn't quite feel like an authentic theater experience. I thought the camera work. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the Disney Plus version. Right? Yeah. Oh, I'm not. I'm not gonna like, you know, run free interference for Disney or anything. But I thought it was fine. Like it mostly keeps things focused and what is a very visually busy play. I've yeah. got no complaints. And plus, there's the fact that. 
it will never be the same perspective as in the uh, stage because you're looking at it through your own eyes. <laughs> it's but, my own eyes. Um, I'm reminded of that great joke on... I, I was going to say Abfab, but I guess it's French and Saunders, where they'll keep cutting to, like, uh... They do it a couple times, but it'll be like, Come see Chicago, the hit play, now playing at uh, London's West End. It's not as good as the movie. <laughs> and they, they did it with, like, two or three different shows. And again, there are a couple movies, uh, Chicago might be one, where the films actually turned out quite well, but for the most part, I'm like... Yeah, screw it. Also, by by the way, we're going. I know I'm throwing this off on tangents and making it take longer than it needs to. I do think Hamilton's very good. I appreciate it. I like the colorblind casting. I like the music. I like everything else. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to take away from it by saying this. I think it is like objectively, like, well done and entertaining. I also do feel like like. What was the competition, though? Yeah. So, have, have you seen what musicals are these days? You understand why, like, Wicked and Hamilton stand out? Because to be even half as good as they are, to be competent, mm. you're still doing fine. Because, like, I don't know, should we see Hamilton? What else is playing? Oh, well, we could go see uh, Mean Girls, the musical. Uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, the musical. Um, what else we got? The Wedding Singer, the musical. The Adams Family, the musical based on the movie. Yeah. Beetlejuice, the musical. Yeah, so just, just, by the way, take all those movies are awesome. Take good movies and then make them into fine musicals. <laughs> like, I'm sure the shows are fine. I'm not shitting on the people putting them on. But it, just because it's so monstrously expensive to produce... Mm -hmm. A Broadway show. Yeah, you understand why even doing like, like even Spider Man is not enough of a proven property because you can still like mm -hmm. fuck it up if you get too original. So it'll just be like, okay, Groundhog's Day the musical, Ghostbusters the musical. We we, we are not throwing our money down this toilet. Yeah, <laughs> and so to come up with a show where it's like, hey, based on. A book instead of a, you know, a movie that got memed to death. Yeah, I'm sure Hamilton is better than The Big Lebowski, the musical. I'm sure it's better than Napoleon Dynamite, the musical. Uh, go on. Both can be valid criticisms, as a, <laughs> as a recording will never be the same as actually being in a seat in the Richard Rogers Theater experiencing the show. However, as someone privileged enough to have seen Hamilton at the Richard Rogers Theater in person, la dee da. Not, not the original. Not cast, the not the original cast though. Where where my treats? I can say <laughs> I. Oh, was it written in that tone? <laughs> I can. I choose to read it in that tone. I can say I felt nearly as much emotion from the stage recording as I did in person. That speaks volumes of the powerful musical and the story that Lin-Manuel Miranda has created about the life of the $10 founding father without a father. Okay, I think it back. Say any mean thing you want to about this Yeah. <laughs> it, it is a beautiful thing that this stunning piece of Broadway can now be made available to the masses of the world through Disney+. Plus. He sounds weird. V available to the masses. Let them have their scraps. 
Do you ever think that the people writing these are going to find out you dunked on them? Uh, no. No one really listens to this. I'm, well, fair enough. I'm just thinking how, like, if you make fun of Elon Musk, he'll waste half a day, like, reply guying with you. So if these are people doing reviews on IMDb, like, I wonder if they, especially under lockdown, if they're unbusy enough, that they'll go like, what'd you say about my review? What's this show? Penny Tolerable? What the, oh, is that like a play on Penny Dreadful? What else you got here? Hey, Mystery Science Theater, I'm a big fan. I never actually listened. Hey, it's pretty funny. Oh, boy, do I have egg on my face. Hey, maybe I could be on the next episode. That <laughs> would <laughs> be a wonderful life. Yeah. Next one. I was fortunate enough to see Hamilton three times in Chicago. Uh, it's not Hamilton 3, it's just Hamilton. Don't, don't jump the gun. And it's not Chicago, it's Hamilton. God damn it. Including once from the second row, thanks to a friend winning the lottery. God damn it. Holy shit. No, uh, he means the, the seating lottery. Yeah. Yeah. How did this compare? Way better than I expected, honestly. I've no I noticed new moments. I saw the original cast in a new light. I experienced this, the story like I was on stage. Uh... There, as a matter of fact, I was on stage. I started whipping batteries at everyone. Signed, George Washington. <laughs> There's nothing quite like being in the theater. But this was, uh, but this may be the closest a film ever got to capturing theatrical magic. I wish the Rent movie had been a recording of the 1996 production. So do I. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> I am a I do like the music in Rent and the actors in Rent. I just think the characters are reprehensible. Anyways, getting on. Hamilton represents a unique moment in American theater, and I am grateful someone captured it. Fair enough. Next one. Couldn't get tickets to see on Broadway. Wanted to see what all the hype was about. Just another fad? What's the big deal? So I wanted to experience it. Why does it my foot hurt? <laughs> so I wanted to experience it myself. Thank you, Disney Plus. For making us laugh and love again. Three exclamation points. All I can say is believe the hype. It's true. This is a magical fresh take on the musical. A breath of fresh air. About a quarter into watching, my husband came home and I looked at him and said, This is special. You gotta see this. And afterwards, we made the maddest love of the world. We fucked like March Harris fucking mad <laughs> He said he wasn't interested. I was <laughs> He then went back to playing The Last of Us. <laughs> Said he wasn't interested, but sat down to play on his phone, read emails, etc. I thought I was joking. Yeah. My husband finds musicals quote-unquote gay. <laughs> but when I looked up at him several minutes later, he was transfixed watching it. So even the most cynical, musical-hating dude... Michelangelo. <laughs> Couldn't keep from watching and enjoying it. I feel like this isn't 
this isn't a good review. No, no, it isn't. <laughs> but it's hard. It's hard to put into words, into words, the joyful feeling we got while watching. And Groff as King George loved it. Okay, that review. There's a lot to unpack there. That that seems like something that would be at a couples therapy session. Yeah. Uh, she keeps watching me to wanting me to watch Hamilton with her. She loves King George and his little crown. She needs a crown. Here's your crown, Queen of the Harpies. <laughs> um, I don't know why you turned turned British, but uh, I don't know. We're, we're we're like making gentle fun of these. I sort of love these though, yeah. Because each one is when she says like, I guess this isn't a very good review, and it's like, no, no, it's it's not. Like none of these, what like work is like objective pieces of criticism. If that was the goal, I like how each one of these is a really charming snapshot. So it's like, I like I grew up in Mexico, could never afford to go see musicals, but then I got to see this, and it was really fun. And like my husband and I were having marital problems, but Hamilton put the zing back in our flank, and. Just everything. Uh, I was walking down the street, and then a cabbie uh, zoomed by, and uh, the gust of wind from his hasty aggress caused a Hamilton ticket to pirouette upwards into my mouth. When I looked at the cabbie, he tipped his hat at me and then vanished. <laughs> I went with my boyfriend, Slimer. <laughs> Each one of these is as good a story as the life of Alexander Hamilton. Well, that's why we do this. Yep. And last one. I started watching this out of curiosity, and to say I had seen it, being the cultural touchstone that it is, I am a huge liar. <laughs> At first, I was a little detached, not liking the songs too much, and thinking I, I would probably... I thought that I could beat people without blinking an eye, and when I went on sniper missions, my heart rate never elevated. <laughs> And thinking I would probably just skip through to the end in a minute, I couldn't stop watching, and it really sucked me in. It would be great if you threw it up buzz. I couldn't stop watching, it really sucked. <laughs> me in, says Roger. That would be the Simpsons version, right? Gene Shallot. This is God, hey. Free Jones. It really sucked me in. Hamilton, uh, more like Hamilton. We're going to be painting the Hamilton red coats are coming. And so will you be when you watch this great film <laughs> of a play. <laughs> Tip of the hat, wag the finger. I have to say. I look like Willy Wooly. <laughs> We're in the home stretch. Just, I have to say, I'm not sure I would have enjoyed it. I'm not sure I would have enjoyed it at all live in the theater. I benefited greatly. Wait, what? That's what was missing. The human touch. I benefited greatly from the captions and the ability to put it on pause to consult Wikipedia from time oh, to time. Oh my god. <laughs> I needed help with this movie. I needed a lot of help with this movie. The lyrics were so clever and really told the story. I should hope so. I ended up very moved and almost and almost cheering at the end. Of course, now that I am familiar with the story, I would love to see it live and would enjoy it immensely. But I would strongly recommend this for a first time viewing. I will definitely rewatch and probably again and again. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to go kill Sarah Connor. <laughs>
Well, that brings us to the end of <laughs> Review Times 2, which in itself... Sounds like Eugene Shalit. Yeah, which in itself brings us to the end of the podcast. Have you met my wife, the Lady of Shalit? <laughs> she says she is half sick of shadows. <laughs> But I'm not sick of Shadow Moon and American Gods. And goddamn, did I love the American musical Hamilton. Oh my god, I hope someone gets some of those references. Yeah, that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, this was fun. Uh, Nathaniel, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me. And uh, maybe... Uh, my friend uh, Gene Shallot will stop by uh, my podcast, The Pretendium Compendium. I'm just kidding. I've, I've never done that impression on the show. I don't know why it started. Uh, we are at uh, The Pretendium Compendium is the name of the uh, fantasy slash gaming podcast that I run with my uh, more talented friend, Randy. And uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at, at Pretendium. Uh, I guess that should just be one at where uh, I mostly recycle Star Wars and Dungeons and Dragons memes and then get bored and just start answering those clickbaity movie quizzes and I just uh, answer Mad Max every time. Uh, but yeah, you can you can find me there. Look for the sign of Eric the Cavalier. I always do. So you do, uh, do you review uh, fantasy movies? Uh, on occasion, we we didn't want it to just be a, a movie podcast because uh, that's a good idea, Homer, but I think there might already be one or two movie podcasts. We didn't want to strictly do that, so it's uh, it's a hodgepodge. I think I once said the goal for the podcast, I wanted to make it like an audio version of a zine, mm. like sort of unprofessional but hilarious and enthusiastic. So... Uh, just as an example, to date, we've covered about a dozen different classic-era D&D monsters. The stupider, the better. Then we've uh, also done... We've done the entire Dungeons & Dragons cartoon in mm -hmm. a long series of usually three-episode chunks. And it's great. Yeah, we... Thank you. We did the first Dungeons & Dragons movie, and we'll definitely get to the other two, but, you know, I'm going to space it out, maybe savor it a little. Uh, the first six novels in the uh, R.A. Salvatore's Dritzt series, which uh, I, mean, I don't know if people like book review podcasts, but me and my, my co-host are both English nerds, so we kind of have fun diving into that. And then uh, periodically, like if it, if it just uh, goes with what we're talking about, that stretch, we'll end up talking about uh, you know dungeon masters or comparisons between like what men and women look for in fantasy, and I mean fantasy in general, not, you know, purely erotic fantasy. And, uh, for instance, I think uh, probably by the time this comes out, we will have done an episode on Big Trouble in Little China, just because A, it has a beholder in it, mm -hmm. and uh, B, I'm not going to not talk about that movie. If you guys do not cover the Lucy Fulci film Conquest, I will be very, very disappointed. Mm, gotcha. Look up uh, Lucy Goosey. Lucy Fulci has some respect. <laughs> Anyways, um. Susan Lucci, gotcha. 
You can find me on YouTube. My YouTube channel is Ringo Phonebonius Jones, same way it's spelled, on the uh, on the, my SoundCloud profile. I would, I'd basically just dick around and uh, do voices and songs and stuff like that. I like what I do. It's a nice pastime. Uh, anyways, if you liked this, please like and subscribe and leave a uh, leave a comment, but make them civil comments or don't. If they're not civil comments, I will completely ignore them. Mm -hmm. Uh, anyways, yeah, that's, uh, this is the end of the episode. We have just, uh, we've just reviewed Hamilton, and that's all I have to say. Hello. If you can, please give to charities for those disenfranchised in these still troubled times. An example might be the Oprah Project, which helps black trans people with food, shelter, and other needs of life. Also, support the Trevor Project, a mental health hotline for LGBTQ youths in trouble. Uh, as for Nathaniel, you can find him at the Pretendium Compendium, his own podcast, where he talks about Dungeons and Dragons and other fantasy fare. Uh, if you would like to see more of me, you can find me on my YouTube channel, Jeans, which is J-E-E-M-S. You can find me on my Tumblr, which is also Jeans, my TikTok, Jeans84, my Twitter, the show's Twitter is at Pinnytominable, and I'm at MyPlanetIsJ. And you can find me on my Instagram at, at MyPlanetIsJeremy. Uh, we are available on Anchor, SoundCloud, Spotify, and several other podcast platforms. Now, on with the show.